I've watched that video so many times, and every time I'm just, yes, you know? I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I came to this church four years ago. It was the first church I came to when I moved to Bozeman. I'm 22 years old. I uh, moved to Bozeman for school, and I'm studying cell biology and neuroscience at Montana State. It's one of the hardest, it's one of the most difficult majors I've ever pursued. It's one of the most difficult challenges I've ever had to overcome. And uh, I think it was the third year I went to youth camp. Someone told me, it was this little preacher man, and he came, and he was, he was jumping all over the place, and he said, don't face your giants. I was like, what? Where is he going with this? And he said, fight your giants. He said, fight your giants. So many people, that's what, that's what the rest of the armies were doing when they saw Goliath. They were looking at him. They were facing him. There was one who stood up to fight his giant. And I went, studied cell biology and neuroscience, you know, straight out of youth group, youth ministry, went straight into college. Uh, not one biology class underneath my belt. And I really had to rely on God to get me through and to learn. It's been a, it's been a struggle. It's been a reward and it's been such a blessing on my life. So I grew up in a Christian home. My father, he was a Navy chaplain. My mother, she homeschooled all of us. Any homeschoolers in the room? Yeah. So we were homeschooled. My mom moved us to, well, my mom, I say my mom moved us to California from North Carolina. It was a cross-country road trip. My dad was deployed at the time in Iraq, and I got to... I got to California, and my mom took me to a youth group that I really had no interest in going to, which in turn took me to a youth camp that I didn't want to go to at first, which led me to an altar that I did not want to approach. I kind of sat halfway. How many of you guys can relate to this? Halfway so you didn't look like a slacker and you didn't look freaky, right? (laughs) It's so true, and that was me. My father was a good father. He was gone a lot, deployed, but when he was home, I knew that he was home. He made himself known, and when he was home, he was, it wasn't yes, sir, it was yes, dad. And all of the, uh, most of the spiritual principles that I have put into practice while in college that have encouraged me through college and into ministry were from the passing on of this wisdom from my father and my mother. So I came from a good base, but... Back at this church camp, I was, I was 15 years old. My dad was gone. My mom just moved us to a brand new place. I knew no one, and I was at this camp. And I see people up there just raising their hands and going after God with all they have. And here I was, sitting in the middle, miserable. I was miserable. I was a sorry sap, I'm telling you. Whenever... whenever uh, Vacation would come about and my brothers would come home. I always compared myself to my brothers. I always compared myself to other people. I always thought I wasn't good enough. You know, I wasn't smart enough. I had a hard time in school. Couldn't read really until I was 11 years old. I was 15 at a church camp going into a private school after the summer from being homeschooled and I still struggled with reading. Crazy, huh? So, not from the lack of my mother teaching me. I just had a hard time. So, I get to this church camp, and the pastor is talking about the Father's love and what he wants to give to me. And at this time, I had a hard time with my parents. I had a hard time relating to them and and knowing who I was. And I heard people go up there and say, you know, I was B 
beaten as a child. You know, I was, I was, I just went through hard times. I went from foster home to foster homes. But they went up there and they told their testimony about how God changed their life and how it's totally different now. And they just love the Lord and love life now. And here I was, I had a great mother, great father, Christian home, all that, all that word in my life. But yet I was miserable. And all of that started making sense when I decided to go from that middle row to the altar and give my heart to the Lord. And from then on, everything changed. Everything changed. I left that service feeling like things tasted better. Things felt better. My senses were heightened, and I was just, I was just so happy. My reading got better. My grades were better. <laughs> just things started coming, coming together in my life because I started learning the identity that God had for me. Wow. Guys, I am not the person I was at 15. Glory be to God, right? I am so happy that I am not like I was when I was 15. <sighs> so I mentioned that my father, he was a big influence on my life. And the reason why I share that with you is because the foundation for our ch- children and our youth spiritual condition starts at home. You listen to some of those videos, and some of those kids were five years old. Their dad sat with them on the bed and started talking to them about the Lord. And that's when I became a Christian. There's no doubt in their minds. That's when I became a believer. That's when I started following God, you know. Or some of them were four years old or five years old, six years old, or in eighth grade, ninth grade. And someone took the time to share with them, to give them the reason for the hope that they have to share that hope with the younger. I think it's not just the parents' responsibility, nor the church's responsibility, but it's everyone who is in a position of leadership, which is everybody in general, to be passing down the testimony that God has done for them. We're going to dive right into this, because the word is the most powerful thing ever. It is the word of God, and I firmly believe this. So we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen, right? I, one of the memories I have of growing up in the home was um, my dad always told us that our family was different. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't remember one Sunday that I ever had an opportunity to skip out. Ever. Do you think I enjoyed that? Do you think I enjoy sitting on a hard pew, reading out of hymnals? You know? Pastors in a robe, I'm sitting there in a tie. This was laying the foundation that will come full circle when I would turn 15. What I get out of this is that your relationship with God is a generational blessing. Your faith isn't meant to be a selfish thing, you know? It's like we get saved, this joy comes in our heart, God gives us purpose and meaning, and we are not meant to just be closet Christians. We are meant to be world-changing, 
people-loving, direction-going Christians, right? So that is the first blank on your notes, is that your relationship with God is a generational blessing. When you give your heart to the Lord, you say, as for me and my house, as for me and my life, I don't care what the Joneses do across the street. I don't care what they do at school. I don't care what's promoted on MTV. As for me and my house, as for me and my life, we will serve the Lord, right? That example is set. That example is set. And when you confess it with your mouth, believe it in your heart, the word, you start walking in the direction and then your life starts to, your life starts to change. You, your actions start to change. It's funny. Someone told me that well, God doesn't say wash your hands before he washes you clean. You know? You don't wash your hands before you get in the shower. You know, people are like, you know, I'm just going to get rid of this sin before I go to God and he's going to take care of the rest. No. He says, come now. Come now because tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Some of these youth, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Some of your children, tomorrow is not guaranteed. I work in the hospital and I'm reminded of this every day. Right? The second thing I get from this is the second blank on your thing. Whatever it takes... Take every opportunity to share your faith with your children, to share your faith with the youth, to share your faith with people who do not know. That's something I get from here. Whether it's when you wake up, when you lie down, when you go to the store, when you drive your car, whenever it is, take those opportunities. I I could tell you an opportunity. Maybe it's time to change one of the presets in your car to a Christian station. So that five minutes that you're driving your youth to school, maybe a worship song gets stuck in their head. Maybe the worship song is talking about the glory of God. Maybe it's talking about the power, his power, his majesty. I'll tell you one thing. It keeps me from sinning so often. Whenever I think about doing something wrong, I always sing a song that glorifies God. I have so many Christian songs. I used to listen to to pop radio and stuff like that before I was 15, and that's probably why I was so down. You know, I, I was not encouraged at all. I was encouraged by my parents, but all you, all of you guys can relate, you know. They're your parents, right? You know, they're your parents. You want words of affirmation from someone outside your family. That's why this youth ministry is so important. Like Isabel said in the video, you know, that community is so important. That community is so important to encourage you not to self-harm, to encourage you to do the right thing, encourage you to be different, to be that influence. So when we're talking about generations, we're talking about inheritance. How many of you guys have a big inheritance in store for your children, right? (laughs) It's stored up in the bank somewhere. You've got assets. You've got all sorts of stuff, you know? Some of you guys got some good cars that pass down, whatever. But I'll tell you, the greatest inheritance is to receive the kingdom of God. To pass down your faith from generation to generation. And I am a product of that. My grandparents on my dad's side came to mainland America from Puerto Rico. Both of them were unbelievers. My grandpa was a proclaiming atheist. My other grandma, I'm not quite sure what she was. But but my grandfather got saved. And he came home and he told her, let me tell you about this God. This, this man told me about him and, and I'm all in it. And she wasn't happy with that. She said, it's either me or your God. And what do you think he said? He said, my God. 
Now, they were sweethearts from a very young age, and they grew up in Puerto Rico, and they, came, and they got married, and they came to the States together. But both of my grandparents were unbelievers. They didn't believe until my grandfather said, I believe. And she gave him the ultimatum, and he made it. It was hard for him, and she might have left him for it, but he says, it's my God. And because of that love, because she knew that he cared so much about her, you know, they, were, they were childhood sweethearts. She followed in those steps. And they are some of the most devout, strong prayer warriors I have ever met in my life. And I know they pray for their grandchildren every single day. Amen. And they pass that on to my father. They, they taught my father to do the right thing. But how many of us know that we can accept, but we can still not walk in that, right? So my father left home at 15, moved to California with his brother, got a few odd jobs, ended up becoming a firefighter, ended up getting saved as a firefighter. Now something, he told me, he goes, my father said, always ties to the Lord. And my father was an unbeliever. He didn't believe. He wasn't walking in it. And even then, he was still tithing to God. He used that as his charity giving, you know. What a great example set for him. And then he got saved. And he had children. And he passed that on to us. And we're walking in it. I try my best to keep walking in the direction. How many of us know that we are attached to our youth until they leave the home, right? And then they're, they're left to sail these waters, right? Well, why not get them out of the harbor without them bashing themselves against the wall, without leaving a wake of destruction around them? Why aren't we the tugboats that lead them until the moment that they're ready to go out on their own? It's laying the foundation of the faith for our youth, This inheritance is a big part of the kingdom. God is our father. He wants to give that to us. Our children are ours, so we want to give it to them. And they will give it, and they will give it, and they will give it. So part of this inheritance is that God wants to pass it down, and so therefore we want to pass it down. And if there's one thing that I've noticed in youth ministry, and I'm not a father, I just became an uncle. But I've been, I was a child along, I I was, Fairly recently. (laughs) I was a child very recently. Some of us are still children, right? So I try and use the word children sparingly. I like to use youth because I am involved in youth ministry, and I see a lot of kids come in and out of my life, and I see a lot of kids come in and out of the hospital. Like she said, self-destruction, like, we need, to, we need to counter that. And what better way to counter that than to pass down our faith, pass down that joy to encourage them. Our youth will either inherit our fears and our doubts or God's blessing and promise. How many of you guys disagree with that? I firmly believe that with all my heart. They see us. They watch us. They emulate us. Some of us, they idolize almost. And what is the example that we're setting in their lives? We should be impressing these things, not just in the church, not just in youth group, but in our homes. You see? It starts in the home. Someone said, if you want to fix the country, start with the family unit. Start with the family unit. Strengthen those bonds. Strengthen the love. Encourage one another. That is how you change communities. 
when you're family-oriented. Our fears and our doubts are God's blessing and promise. I want them to inherit God's blessing and promise because there's so much for them. When I was 15, my mother looked in my eyes and she said, Josiah, you have so much potential. I love you, son. And my dad told me that too. And then after he said that, he says, but the one thing that's holding you back is you're lazy. I took a physics class in college, and I learned the difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. And some of us are filled with potential. Do you know what you call a car with potential? Parked or broken or not moving. It's still, it's not going anywhere. But there is something that needs to happen to turn that potential energy into kinetic energy, and that is a force. That is a force. Whether that's a force of a parent, whether that's a force of wisdom, whether that's a force of the Holy Spirit or the force of God, something needs to set that object in motion. It doesn't start all by itself. And that's where we come into play. Right? I'm tired of seeing kids full of potential. I'm tired of seeing you so filled with potential and seeing the school stay the same. I'll tell you the difference between accepting and receiving. I grew up in a Christian home. My father was a pastor. He was a chaplain. I learned so much. Man, I saw miracles. I did all this sort of stuff. I accepted that God was Lord. I accepted that he was powerful. I did not receive it until I was 15. It's kind of like medication. It's no good until you take it. It's no good until you, you know, and too bad. Some of us, we wait until we are so darn sick to take our medication. And we could do preventative care. You see what I'm saying? But when I received it, that's when things really started to go. Some of us here, some of us here, you know, we've grown up in the church and we think that's enough. But we need to really self-reflect and say, have we truly received this? Have my kids had the opportunity to truly receive this? Sometime, back when I was 15, probably months and months before that camp, there was leadership praying and interceding for the kids, for me. There were leaders that took time out of their lives, probably quit their jobs so they can pursue this, started praying, started, started working, rented this camp out to, to provide for a full week the time, the opportunity, and the resources needed for a kid like me to give my heart to God, for real. Not just accept it, but everyone that I went to that camp with, went up to that altar with, we are still serving the Lord today, and praise be to God, you know? Some of them are involved in youth ministries all around. Missionaries. So, another thing that was always mentioned in our home, you know, who here has read Proverbs? You know, Proverbs written by the wisest king that ever lived. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Who here resonated with what Jacob said up there? He said that, he said that most people who say, some of my friends, they say they're atheists, but I don't think they are. I just think they just don't understand who he is. I just think no one has told them. My father from an early age, he always told us, he said, God said, feed my sheep, not slop my pigs. So if you're going to do something, do it to your best, right? Sometimes I feel like we give slop to people who ask questions. You know, 
I don't know how many times I was in school and I heard people say, you know, what is the meaning of life? What is purpose? What am I meant to do? All this sort of stuff. Professor, professor, professor. I've heard some really good answers, but then I've heard some slop answer. Just cause is not an answer. Just cause is not an answer. We need to be laying the foundation, living our lives to set the example for our kids. It's got to be consistent. Because when you're consistent serving the Lord, God starts working in your life. Your kids start seeing God's faithfulness. Right? Talking to them. If they don't give their heart to the Lord while they live in your house, at least they will have an understanding of who he is. Given by you and not someone else. Right? I think some of the problems that we have is that our schools have a monopoly on sex education, right? Our schools have a monopoly on showing kids their purpose and what they're meant to do. I think we need to step up and we need to start sharing with them the godly principles that we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know how many times I've talked to some people and they said, um, that's just not my thing. It's just not my thing, right? Joshua 24, 15 says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that. The word is so powerful, and it teaches you, and it corrects us. And it challenges us. This is a, this is a challenge to everyone. So if, if this just ain't your thing, if you think serving the Lord is that unattractive, then choose today because there is no fence, everybody. There is no fence, and that's a lie that I keep hearing over and over. Oh, I'm just in middle ground. I'm in neutral territory. The devil owns the neutral territory. The devil owns the fence. There is no fence. You're either right or you're left. You're either hot or you're cold. There is no lukewarm. Right? Who today will you serve? We need to commit. We need to have a direction. We have the word. We have a community. We're called to set an example. We're called to make a plan. This is important for some of us here today because you might think, man, between softball, soccer, volleyball, you know, hockey, school, lacrosse, between all these things, where does God fit in this? It's so jam-packed. It's so dense, you know? So we need to make a plan. And to make a plan to execute, there are some points that we need to follow. So a good plan is intentional. You will have to be intentional about where you're going, right? Kids, we're going to do this. We're going to sit around the table. We're going to talk about this together, and we're going to go in this direction. This is what I want. I want us to at least have two hours a week of exposure to godly things and godly reinforcement. That is what our youth group is. You learn it at home. You see the example at home, and we reinforce it in youth group. And we also teach it at youth group. That's, I love youth ministry because of that. Because I see kids listening to their parents. They say one thing, 
And then they're like, oh, my parents said that, just like I was all the time. And then it's reinforced by someone that you respect. It's reinforced by people around you and your peers. And all of a sudden, it starts solidifying. It starts solidifying. The more examples set in your life, the more examples you have, is it better that sets, you know? Your attitude will have to be sacrificial. I do not think that some of us will go home and our lives will just be so conducive to pursuing after God, to challenging our kids to pursue after God. I do not think most of us are going to be like that. It's going to be sacrificial. Maybe it's sacrificing the dates that you have for your family vacation to go to have them go to youth camp, then to have a full week of that time and that opportunity to pursue God. That's important, right? So maybe that is going to have to be sacrificed. I had to sacrifice a day of work to do youth ministry. I was working full-time. I had to cut it down to part-time because there was absolutely no time between school and this in order to give these kids a quality experience that they can have under their belt so that they can have a better knowledge of of our Father. It's going to take sacrifice. Where it's going to be. Your actions will be consistent. Like If you're going to commit to something, commit to something. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I started Boy Scouts when I was Cub Scout, seven years old. And I did all the way until I was an eagle. And you think there weren't times I went to my parents and said, I don't want to go to any more meetings. (laughs) I'm over this, Dad. You started it, you finish it. You start it, you finish it, Josiah. Don't quit. I don't have quitters in my family. Josiah, that's you again. You're being lazy. That's one of the seven deadly sins. It's slothfulness. And some of us need to be pushed. Some of us need to do what we don't want to do so that we can be better for it, right? Some of the greatest accomplishments I've ever had the honor of completing in my life, I have had to be hounded (laughs) at some point or another in there. How many of us can relate to that? Whether it's our job, our promotion, sometimes we get content where we are. Well, I'm fine with this pay. I'm fine with this pay, you know. If I don't need to fill out this paperwork, that's fine with me. I'm fine with where I'm at. But we're always called to level up. You see, I think it's so interesting that, that so much of our culture is influenced by the media or, here's a popular one, video games. Video games. Everyone's trying to level up. Everyone's trying to go to the next level in their game. But where are we in our spiritual walk? We need to level up. We need to be pushed to level up. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, and there's going to be growing pains. But anything worth having is worth working hard for and worth pursuing and worth being challenged, right? So that's our plan. My heart is for these youth. It has been since I was 15. It changed my life radically. It really did. And whether you are a grandpa, an aunt, an uncle, a big brother, a big sister, you all are leaders to these kids. Someone is looking up to you. What is the example that we're setting? So I just want to encourage you guys. We have a great youth ministry every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We pour into these kids. We love on these kids. And we give them the time and the opportunity in a busy schedule, in a busy world. I know things are busy. But we give them the time and the opportunity and the tools to go to the next level. And that is something that should be pushed. 
Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love God. But it's been a hard time getting to know God. (laughs) Knowing all of his aspects, getting to know him, pursuing after that. It's tough for a Christian to walk consistently, but it's very rewarding. And we need to do everything we can. Take every opportunity to share the hope that we have. The stories, just like they were passed down to me, I'm going to pass them down to my children. My brother just had a little nephew, and I already told my brother, I said, I'm, I'm paying for his first church camp. This boy is, is going to know the Lord at an early age. When he comes and visits me, man, he's going to be in my youth group. It's going to be awesome. One, one, of the, one of the best moments about that boy's life was I saw pictures of my brother dedicating Audie to the Lord just as we were dedicated to the Lord. And I know that my brother will do everything in his power to give him the tools necessary, the foundation for him to hit those high waters and to be prepared. We got to make a plan because planning prevents poor performance. Planning prevents poor performance. I never go into a job interview without practicing in the mirror. (laughs) I never go into youth group without opening my Bible and reading and making slides and, and studying the word. I always want to go in there prepared. Some of the worst disasters I've ever experienced in youth group, trust me, was when I didn't prepare. It was the most awkward experience. No one learned anything. It was just a grueling time. And that's when I decided I got to cut a day out of my work. I'm way too tired. I'm not giving them what they need. And for you parents, I respect you more than that. I respect you more than half-butt ministry. I love these students, and they will get quality. They They will get prayer. They will get relationships. They will get encouragement. And they will get that force. I've had to put, I, I had to put some force on recently. But they're for the better. They are set in motion in the right direction. So we love the Lord I love the Lord. My team loves the Lord. You can find anyone around here with a shirt. Ask us, do we love the Lord? We love the Lord. I'm so honored to be a part of this church, be a part of your family, to be a part of your youth's lives. We have church camp coming up. I'm going to be taking two groups, two weeks worth of camp. And I pray that some of you, you guys will enter in your car as some people in the last service did and just, man, we're going to have to clear our schedule for something. We got to clear our schedule every Sunday. Maybe if you're going to find a goal, fix on it, and pursue after it. Start walking in that direction. Trust God to give you the strength. Trust God to give you the wisdom. And walk in the authority that he's given you as Christians, as believers, to speak this over our youth. As for me, my house, for my youth group, I don't care what these other places are doing. We will serve the Lord, right? It is really tough repeating a service. (laughs) It is really tough. But I hope you guys were encouraged today and that this is a real concern I have, is that our youth, they need to be taken care of. And that is the greatest inheritance we could give them. Not the car, not the money, not the house. But if they have the kingdom, they have eternity. And I firmly believe that with all my heart. 
Oh, rooted in truth. That's our next point. Rooted in truth. Everything you do has to have a has to have a purpose behind it. It has to have a reason behind it. And just cause does not cut it for our youth. <laughs> their their most popular question is why? 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 Why do I go to church? Why? Why do you make me go to youth group? Why do you make me go to school? Why do you do this? Why do you hate me? I hear that so often. Why? 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 Because I love you. Because God loves me and he loves you too. And I'm not willing to watch you throw your life away. I'm not willing to watch you rust this car full of potential. I want more for you. I see more in you. Right? Our next steps. Amen? (laughs) Our next steps. Make a plan. We got to make a plan. We got to be intentional about these things. Make a plan as a family. This is a family thing. This starts in the home. Make a plan. Put Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9 into practice. I made a sign for my brother. He asked me. And I was so, I was like blown away. I'm like, really? You want this? I'm going to do it for you. He asked me, Josiah, can you get, write that verse for me? And it was, uh, it was that verse, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The same kind of sign that was on my front door. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Same sort of sign that's in my friend's house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a statement. We declare it to the world, you know. And this encourages us as we walk in there. You know, I might walk into my house and feel, feel angry and bitter or maybe something happened at work and I'm feeling down and I just want to lash out or I want to do something that's against the character that I was brought up with. I look at that, I'm like, uh, <laughs> time to get right. Time to, time to get myself centered there. Pray for your youth. Pray for your youth. Whether they're your nephews, your nieces, your kids, your whatever. Maybe they're your 40-year-old brother. <laughs> Pray for them. All those who do not know the Lord, keep them in your prayer. Keep them in your heart. Keep them on your mind. Keep them close by. Encourage them. Give them that family that they might be looking for. Give them that community that might make the difference and encourage them to take those opportunities to make them worthwhile, right? So those are our next steps. And be encouraged. That should be our, our last next step. Be encouraged. If you need encouragement, we have an amazing family here. Two services worth of people who love the Lord that you can find someone in there to talk to. Some of your concerns, maybe you're going to have to partner up with another family, and you're going to like, you know, we can do this together. But always keep it, on, keep it in your mind that our youth are vitally important. God doesn't care whether you're the baby boomers or Generation X or whatever. He cares whether you are the generation that serves and honors the Lord. That's the one. And it's our responsibility to build that to lay the foundation for them to walk on, to give them the best possible opportunity. Thank you, Pastor.